Hey, welcome to Cameras or Whatever. This is your podcast for professional photography. I'm Tyler Stellman. And I'm Cameron Whitman, professional photographer. <laughs> That's true. Now that we're officially doing these bi-weekly, it feels like every time I need to say it's been so long. But I don't, yeah, ha- I don't have to, do I? I don't think you have to, but I think it's kind of nice if you do. Well, and when you listen to shows later, like if you're listening to a back catalog, it's always so boring to hear, which I'm doing right now. So I'm listening to the Flophouse back catalog and see previous episode of this podcast to hear about it. Um, But yeah, I'm going through their catalog and every time they talk about like, oh, sorry, we're late. I'm like, this was four years ago. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) You're right. Stop saying that. It doesn't matter. I shouldn't assume we'll have that kind of staying power. Why not? Anyway, here we are. And, um, you're, we're, we're both home. You said you're, you're back at home, right? Yeah. You were running around doing stuff. What did you do? Yeah. I went up to, uh, New York city for PDN's photo plus expo. Yeah. 2015. (laughs) And it's not the biggest expo, right? It's kind of a, like not where the big announcements happen. Um, Um, there's a few cool things, but I don't think it's like photo Kina. Yeah, per se. But it's, you know, I think that it's it's still an opportunity to uh, to see all the new toys. I know that like quite a lot of toys were announced like just before. Mm. So there was a lot of opportunity to see all those new toys there. Right. What was exciting? What was the coolest stuff? I bought a couple camera straps. Ooh, I just bought one too. It just showed up yesterday. What did you buy? Oh, I saw yours. What was it called? Uh, it's by Cecilia. Mm-hmm. Is the name, and they, um, I guess they they source the the uh, the hide. They're all leather. They're all made of leather, leather and alpaca wool, and um, they're real nice. They're really classic, so they they go really well with the older cameras. Mm-hmm. Did you check the uh, uh, what I was looking at yours on your Instagram, and then looking mm-hmm. at their site? Do you know what like the maximum weight is? Like, can you throw a seventy to two hundred on there with a flash? Oh, or definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. They're super strong. Um, there was actually this this really awkward moment where um, this German man had come up while I was talking to those guys and, and started asking specifically about the thread that they used for that exact reason. He's just like, I put thousands and thousands of dollars on my camera mm-hmm. and I need to know that it's not going to break. And fair enough. Like I had never thought about asking such an intense question, but um, th- fair enough. Well, I think when you um, when you're buying a normal or the the, the straps that come with a camera are nylon and they're like a seatbelt. I mean, I don't really worry about those breaking unless they, unless they were cut or, you know, usually it's, you start to see when they're breaking down. I think I've seen straps get too old, but you have like a year of it falling apart before there's any threat. Yeah. I I don't know. I think that it's a little overthinking it for me. (laughs) Like I'm looking at the strap and I'm like, you you know, you can just tell when something's made quality, Mm -hmm. you know? And you fill it out, and it's just like, oh, that's that's really nice. And uh, it was kind of funny because uh, it was just that that moment of uh, you know walking around, seeing all this new stuff, right? And then you turn a corner and you see something that feels a little bit more like what I'm into right mm-hmm. now. And I couldn't contain my my happiness. I went over there and I started a conversation with them, and and then I made them a deal. You know, like I, I asked them how much the straps were, and they were, they told me and. And it seemed a little bit ex- expensive. And then I said, hey, you tell you what, I'll buy two of them if you put them on my cameras right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So they did. Nice. Which I thought was great customer service. <laughs> Sounds like it. I um, I also just bought a leather strap. Uh, I, uh, oh, no. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Those are the best. Yeah. So, well, you know, I have thoughts about it. In general, I, let's try to talk in general about camera straps, and I'll try not to be too specific to exactly the ones we bought, because, you know, there's many out there. Most people won't have bought these ones. So I'll talk in terms of things I do and don't like. Um, I have gone through so many completely different straps. Um, like, for a while, I was all about uh, having it be one-handed, so mm-hmm. not the the full body strap, but a wrist strap. Yeah, where basically you're 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 just holding your camera, but if you let go, your wrist would catch it. Yeah, um, exactly. I like things about that, but in the end, um, oh, and then also uh, what I I really liked for a while was the one where you just slide your hand in, and it's mm, what can I compare it to? The the camera is just strapped to your hand, uh, so it's tight, right? So like if you let go of the camera, it's still in your hand all the time. Yep. Does, does that make sense? Yep. I have several friends who use those and I'm always looking at them going, God, that looks great. Mm-hmm. But I think <laughs> they might only work on um, larger bodies. Like when I was using that, that was on the 1DS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you do that on something like a 5D or a you know, midsize uh, Nikon, but I liked it. That was nice. Uh, I did find I'd get interesting hand pains sometimes from my hand taking all the weight all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, and the problem with both of these is you can never put the camera down down you can never just let go you need to actually put it somewhere safe if you're going to let go mm-hmm. um so now uh i've gone back to more of a traditional strap with this one but not completely traditional because it is uh, made of leather instead of nylon and okay the first problems i'm seeing right away having it are that it's quite a bit heavier mm. it's okay not the heavierness as a problem it's sticking into my bag it's a bigger harder object yeah, that is harder okay, to, to, to fold underneath the camera or uh-huh. like you know, a normal strap. Its presence in a bag goes completely unnoticed, whereas a leather strap becomes another object that is inside the bag. I actually I have another new one that is uh, the same issue. Like I love it. I love having it on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. It looks really cool. And whenever I put it in the bag, it's it's that's when I realize oh this kind of sucks. And so I've actually been letting the strap hang out of the bag, hmm. which is not ideal. Yeah, the uh, the Cecilia ones seem to have less of that problem. Is that is that the case? Like they're a little less bulky, maybe? Uh totally less bulky. Yeah, yeah. but the uh, the leather one that I got, it's the uh, the four centimeter neck strap. Um, that one is it's just the right amount of thickness, and so it, like it adds a little bit of a cushion, you mm-hmm. know, like when mm-hmm. it's on your shoulder. In fact, mine has just like this little patch of uh, of suede at the top where it sits on your shoulder. And uh, that feels great, and yeah. but then you can still like wrap it around your your wrist, and it will still wrap, and it but it also still feels really cozy. Right. So which is the best of both worlds. So so far, out of the gates or whatever, like I'm really happy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, I had heard very positive reviews about mine. That I'm probably I'm actually a little more sour on it. That um, mm. there's a lot of buckles. Like looking at yours, they're relatively straightforward. Like a normal camera strap just wraps in and you strap it once mm-hmm. on the owner. There is two sets of buckles. If anyone knows why tell me, cause it makes no sense. You cannot, you can't adjust them more because of it. Basically you just end up with more little pieces of leather and you can't, you can't attach it in the traditional way. Um, which is kind of, I know exactly crazy. what you're talking about. I was actually looking at one of those at, at my camera store mm-hmm. on Monday. And, uh, cause I was looking for something to put the, on the DF. Now that I'm getting these nice straps for all of my other cameras, I'm like, you yeah, know, okay. And, uh, I was looking at the Lima 
mm-hmm. by Ona. And uh, I, you know, like I, I, I thought it looked really great and everything, but those buckles were a big concern. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Um, yeah. It hasn't been a problem yet. I actually did some, I kind of tied a knot in mine to make it a little shorter and uh, it wraps up the extra leather a little into it. I don't know. Okay. This, is, this is boring to anybody that's not shopping for a strap, but yeah, um, <laughs> it, yeah I'm, um, I'm going to wait and see how I really feel about that one. But uh, the other thing about leather, I'm, I'm really curious how it's going to age at the thinner parts of it. All the leather straps, they're not, they don't obviously they don't stay sick the whole way thick all the way through. So as it connects to the camera, it's quite thin and um, I can imagine that wearing a lot faster than the nylon. Yeah, I can too. I, I don't know yet though. So, well, yeah, I guess you have to just kind of wait and see, but mm-hmm. hope for the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think that they're priced similarly. So um, between the Ona and the Sicilia at least. So it'd be interesting to see over time we can, kind of talk about it again. Someday. Yeah, actually they're going to be exactly the same age so we can uh, yep. come back a year later and see how it does. How long do you yeah. expect like how long will you be happy if you get uh out of it? Like 5 years, 1 year, 5 well, months, 16 because, years. Because <laughs> because I put that on my Mamiya 7, I expect it to last the rest of that camera's life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing it really depends. I the, the nylon strap I just took off of my 5D I could really see the wear. It was like fraying and quickly because I just, that camera. Yeah. You, used you're using really it really heavily. Yeah. yeah. Um, for like many hours every day. That's exactly where my DF strap is. It's just, it's looking really worn. It's mm-hmm. really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So w- another thing that was really interesting to me and I, I thought I was going to buy, I'd kind of been planning to, and I couldn't quite make sense of buying it is the, um, how do you describe it? Like the braces, the, the double shoulder vest style, two camera straps. Oh, you mean like the moneymaker? The moneymaker is the one that I know of. Yeah. And there's a few more brands are doing it. This is, this is going to be a thing that everybody's doing in the next year. Uh, Black Rapid does something like that. Right. They do a nylon edition. And I think they've had that for a little a, a while. I also had a Black Rapid. I should add that to my list of things I've had. I, I was using it for, I've gone on, on and off. I've gone back and forth to it. In the end, I like the idea of that sliding strap a lot, mm-hmm. but there are some practical design choices that they made, well, with the version that I owned, that uh, made it way bulkier than it needed to be, and it also started beating up my camera really badly. The hardware, all the metal that dangles around the camera, yeah. it's fine when the camera's hanging, but anytime you're lifting it and moving it and setting it down, yeah, really slam. <laughs> yeah, scratched up the bottom quite a lot. There's, there's a lot of visible scratches from it, so... Uh, yeah, that's not I, cool. Yeah, I ditched that. Plus, the design is not really... It's not pretty. No, it kind of reminds me of, like, Low Pro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's you that know, older... You um, know what brand I'm really excited about for their design? I can't speak to their quality at all, because I don't even know if they're out yet, but is the uh, Barber. It looks really, really beautiful. Their bags as well. It looks better than Ona to me, which I think was previously holding the kind of design awards. Right. Um, but they are more beautiful and I am definitely looking at them quite expensive. Like the, the backpack I'm interested in from them is like five, 500 euros. So, you know, it'd be a real investment, but it's much more beautiful than a normal camera bag. You have to think of it more like a really high quality, you know, kind of designer backpack. That's the, I'm that's sorry. What was the name again? Barber. Oh, barbershop bags. Oh, cool. <laughs> what a great name. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. Google it. Looks nice. Uh, oh yeah, but what do you think about this uh, the moneymaker style? Like practically, the idea of having two cameras. First of all, do you ever shoot with camera two cameras? Yes, and I've you know okay. So let me just back up and say it's the Holdfast mm. moneymaker is the name of the of the of the brand. Um, I think it looks interesting. I think that you know, I, I don't really know. I, I think if you're using that, do you just commit to two lenses and two cameras? Yeah, yeah. That, that was my big question. Like, what happens when you go down to one camera? Right. I don't know, but I'm looking at the you know like when I'm looking at their website and I see like the main photo of the moneymaker, I see a bunch of cameras dangling on each other again, just like crashing into each other. Just like you were just saying, and right. so I don't. I mean, I, I obviously I think that there's probably a way that you can sort that out, but it worries me. Yeah, I I I, I can imagine it having the exact same issue. So, um, oh yeah, okay. In those photos, I don't think that's what's really going to happen. I think you have to look at people actually wearing them to get a sense of what will happen in real life. Absolutely, but I can't help but think that that's going to be a possibility. Like, what happens when you go to tie your shoes or something? You right, know, right. can you lean forward? Like, do they crash against each other? Do you break a lens that way? Yeah. Um, in the one review that I read, it did say that it was great on one shoulder. So I, I really want to try one of these. I should borrow one or f- find a way to wear one for a day. I think after one day, I would know yes or no. Because I even imagine in my fantasy of how great products that I don't own are. Uh, like I imagine I could even like wear a jacket over it because you know, they're hanging down and the straps all under you and you could just pull it up and it wouldn't interfere. So it wouldn't be over everything. Like if you're, I say weddings is what I'm thinking about. I would like to wear a jacket over it. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, and then it's way more like a cop, which obviously is the point of all this. Yeah. I think just the idea of like all that stuff being concealed is mm-hmm. really sexy to me. Yeah. The, the clutter of camera junk all over your body. Well, I, don't you hate having a bag on your back and like and you're running into people and like yeah, I can't tell you how f- frustrated I've been for the last week. This has been like the frustration for me all week because I've been out. Basically, I've been like out for a whole day shooting, ten hours of walking around, and we'll be at different events in totally different places. And I need a bag the whole time. I can't bring less gear. I couldn't do the day and just bring a camera and a lens. So I need the backpack and all of a sudden I'm in an event in a small room where everybody else is like, yeah, wearing suits and cocktail dresses. And I'm slamming into them with this giant camera bag, this clumsy oaf knocking over drinks. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't look as bad as I'm feeling at the, at those moments, but I really, I would love to have less if I could, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe if you had double straps, I could just have two cameras that were equipped with everything I needed and nothing has to go in a bag, and I can, you know. Um, <laughs> or you see guys that'll strap stuff to their belt, right? Um, a, a, a local guy I see doing it all the time that has a, you know, the strappable camera case, or sorry, lens holders. So it's like a holster for one lens, mm-hmm. and he's shooting with two lenses. So um, other than that, he can be dressed very well. Like usually he's wearing a suit, and that one thing is on his belt looking ridiculous, but yeah. that one small compromise lets him be a lot more flexible everywhere else. Whereas for me, I can't have a second lens at all. Can I tell you what happens in my head every time I look at those? Your pants fall down. Yes. Not <laughs> only that, but also I think about, okay, so this, this holds my 50 mil, right? Hmm. 
And what happens when I change my 50 mil and I need to put my 2470 in that bag? <laughs> yeah, well, that that is a limitation. Carrying around a, the 2470 version of that camera um, lens holster is going to look pretty silly. Really dumb, right? I mean, you're going to have to hang it on the backside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that that's, yeah, that would happen. But there's no solution for all this. I think the solution is have an assistant that is always 10 feet away with uh, whatever lens you need at the ready, and he's wearing a backpack. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is this is forever an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Tell, no I guess I guess this could easily lead us to the the next thing we should talk about, which is the uh, the light L sixteen camera, which could eliminate if you believe the the hype, it could eliminate the need for all this stuff. Well, you saw it. You were you had it in your hands, maybe. I don't know. Did you? Uh, do you? Yeah. Is the hype yeah. going to be a? Is this a real thing? Is this a contender? Well, the, the the problem here is that like the the one that I had in my hands was an empty shell. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I guess it had all the the lenses and everything, which are apparently made out of plastic. And but it, you know, I, I asked the lady, I was just like, "Well, how does it turn on?" She's like, "Oh, well, that one doesn't turn on yet." <laughs> <laughs> We're working. And I was on like, that. and I was like, "Come on, come on." Yeah. Uh, just why? Well, in the set, you said the samples that you saw were the same as on the website too, right? Yeah, so they they threw a party. It, it um, yeah. Like, let's give some context for uh, right. So um, they threw a party for all the vendors and speakers. It was at uh, what was the place? It was a five thirty something rooftop bar, and so it's this really kind of like posh clubby kind of place. And you know, I'm thinking, wow, man, they've catered for all these people and they're buying all the drinks. And you know, this is minimum thirty grand, right? In, in, you know, it's in the Flatiron District in Manhattan for this party. I'm like, there's no way this doesn't cost a fortune. And all of this, and they, and they don't even have like a real product yet. Yeah. And I mean, I'm excited about it. Did it have that vaporware smell to it? Like maybe, like, this is not going to be a real thing? I guess, like, is it, <laughs> is it like a bunch of just investment money that isn't, uh, that's what I think it is right now. I think that they're they're looking for their next round. I think that they got yeah. an initial round, and now they're looking for for people to to really double down on it. Hmm. You know, but then I read about it having plastic lenses, and they're making a case for that actually being better with the new plastics technology. And I'm I, seeing is believing. You know, prove it to me. Show me. Mm-hmm. Let me see it. I can believe that anything would make a great lens if all of a sudden it works. Like, have you seen so, that TED talk with the glasses for for uh, really low income countries that you fill the lens with water and you can adjust the tension of it and it reshapes the the water to create a lens um kind of instantly uh or even the fact that canon l glass is made from fluorite fluoride fluorite mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i mean i'll believe it if yeah i mean why not right you can it seems like we can do anything these days mm-hmm you know, if we put our mind to it. And yeah. so, you know, I, I'm not opposed to believing it, but the thing that the only, th- I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really enamored with the idea, but I do not like that there's so much hype and, you know, they're asking for people to, to go ahead and start like buying them now. Well, you know what, then I don't want to give it too much more attention today when we really don't know. Yeah. But um, just, okay. So one last thing before we depart, what is the defining thing that sh- What's the reason people should be excited about it, other than it looks strange and interesting? The reason that people should be excited about it is because it has 16 lenses. So it has three different types of lenses times like 
five each. And so what it's doing is it's it's basically it's it's taking a, a bunch of different photos at the same time with the same lenses with different aperture, mm-hmm. and then the the um, the software is then compiling the or <laughs> computing well, I mean, the information. Is, is this the same value proposition as the Lytra? Then I mean, that kind of sounds like it's, exactly it's the same. Sounds very much the same to me. And uh, my impression of the the Lytra is very negative. And just in, in terms of quality, you know, like yeah. the, the, the quality of the, of the images is, is horrible. And so, yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to see it for real. And I don't, I don't really want somebody to tell me that it's pro quality if it's not comparable to, to what they're saying it is. And so like, and I hope it is, cause that'll be awesome because frankly, I don't, I don't need to carry around a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. I'd like shooting film, but like for shooting digital, like that would be really great if I could just switch to that. Yeah. Anyway, in a well, lot of in a lot of situations, I'd be happy to not carry the weight. I'm going to officially go on the record saying that this will not replace your SLR. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm officially with you <laughs> that I I very much doubt it, but I'm very curious. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. At the very least, it'll be the best like backpacking camera of all time. Yeah, P- potentially, maybe we'll if see. It good pictures. Yeah. I got to see the the Leica. Oh, yeah, that thing's this, huge. So this is the the Leica's entry into real SLRs. Is that is, is that accurate? Um, it's SL. Sorry, my bad. Right. Um, yeah. So it's the SL, and it it is a it's their entry into the mirrorless market, and quite an entry it is. It's it's massive. Right. But it seems more than that. It seems like they're right. I said SLR. Um, not really. Re- I, I've read very little about this. So it's not, it's not an SLR obviously, but it seems to be aimed at um, like previously they had a medium format contender. And now this is more meant to target. Well, you know what people are using SLRs for currently mm-hmm. the smaller sensor size, but still full frame and uh, extremely high quality, but faster shooting, things like that. That's what they say. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually, I got to touch it for like a minute. Or probably not even because it was so crowded over there that I just I couldn't deal with it. Um, I wanted to ask questions, but it was that kind of a situation where I was like, "No, nope, not worth it." Yeah. Walking away. Just glancing at it, it seems to remove everything that I find really compelling about Leica. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it's not the things that I'm looking for. I have a Canon to be a boring workhorse, and that's kind of what it looks like. It looks like it would take a lot of the sexy out. Yeah, I'm not totally sure about how like the controls were working mm-hmm. it didn't look as i don't know as dynamic or quick as i would want it to be but i don't know i mean i didn't get to actually dig into it which i wanted to because that's what i wanted to know it's just kind of like with the light that's the thing i wanted to know i want to know like how easily i can you know change my settings mm-hmm. You know, how fast is it? Is it intuitive or does, you know, is it like hitting a wall? Well, and is it, I don't, I don't remember the price offhand, but let's say three times better than the Canon at right. any of those things. Is there anything that it does even twice as uh, as good as the Canon or, or Nikon options and or Sony? And you know, I, well, we already know that the answer is definitely not, um, <laughs> but it, it may be 50% better. Um, I don't know. There could, there could be something it does better, but with like a, you know that you're paying a certain margin that is for the the beauty of it and the the design, and the craftsmanship beyond what you're going to gain in actual image quality. 
Yeah, the mystique. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really curious. I should have looked into it more if I was going to feel like mentioning it. But the thing was uh, that I was kind of just, I don't know, taken away by was the size. And then also with the uh, the lenses that they're introducing with it. How big is it? Is it like bigger than, bigger than a regular SLR? Is that what you mean? I mean, it's the same size as an SLR, but yeah. it, it might be a little bit taller. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the photos online and just go and look at it. It's, it's, your hands look small in this thing. Yeah. It, yeah. It just, in general, it looks like a departure for Leica. But, uh, and, but I find something like the Leica, what's Leica M Edition 60? Is that right? The one that has no screen on the back. That feels more like what I love about Leica to me. There's, but the things about it that are great aren't, I'm not worried about it being the fastest camera in the world or feeling like my Canon. It's like, I, I drool over these things to well, imagine walking around slowly and carefully taking beautiful photos and something that feels amazing in the hand. So mm-hmm. uh, what else did you see though? Uh, what else did I see? I, I spent a, a few minutes just walking past the Fuji booth <laughs> and just, you know, having that constant admiration for their design. I love their cameras. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my gosh. So um, I didn't actually see this while I was there, but there's a new product that I actually told you about earlier, which we haven't talked about yet on the show, uh, but it's called the, uh, the Film Toaster. And apparently it was there. And so I'm really upset that I missed it. Because I totally, um, you know, I, yeah. I walked around every aisle, and I don't know how I missed this thing. But yeah, I'm really intrigued by this. So I, I guess I didn't realize that you didn't see it. Um, but explain what it is before we. Yeah. So the film toaster is it's basically it, it's a very high quality black box um, with a uh, an LED that's both diffused and um, set at, at five thousand K. And basically what it has is it has four different slots, so you can put in different formats of film. So basically it's like a, it's a slide copier, if you will, but you can do it with negative film and with, you know, you can do it with any, basically anything from 35 to 4 by 5 So I look at this as a, I had already looked into this idea of scanning film by shooting photos of it. There's yeah. a lot of articles about Nothing it. Nothing new, it's, yeah. It's the best way to do it. You can get incredibly high quality and move very quickly, and it all sounds really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there aren't really prepackaged solutions to it that I had seen. I, it, most of it was like instructions on how to build this yourself out of wood, right. and that seemed like a or there are also but. really cheap solutions, like they're like slide copiers that you can buy to attach to your sixty millimeter macro lens, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're not high quality like this. They're not giving you the right amount of distance between the lens and the and the slide or the film and yeah i don't know just nothing like this has really appealed to me until now well it does seem you'd have to have quite a bit of precision uh to make this consistent mm-hmm. um that like the the film needs to be extremely flat it's so that it's in focus all across um obviously uh, you'll need some kind of color solution you're saying that there is a way to make sure your colors turn out great well, yeah, so um, what you use with this is you have to use Color Perfect, uh, which is a software program that, um, unfortunately, the uh, I know that the software itself works really well, but the website for them and like the kind of visual aesthetic of their design. This doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I'm looking Are at their looking? site now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all really, you, you look at it and you're like, no, 
it's just not up together with like modern design principles. It's very, it's very backwards, and it looks like it hasn't been updated in, in forever. But most of the people that I've heard talk about Color Perfect, which I've heard from uh, quite a while now in film scanning, is that it's amazing. And the idea here is it'll flip your negative and correct for the weirdness in colors. Yeah. So you can do some uh, pretty detailed color correction within mm-hmm. that program. And then you, you, know, you flip it back to uh, Lightroom or wherever you're holding it. One of the great things about this, as opposed to a dedicated film scanner, is that now I can have my film shots at 36 or 24 megapixels or whatever, uh, which is, would be quite a lot more than what I am doing with yeah, my background. Ma- massive compared to those six megapixels, right? But look, yeah, let me point huge. out the obvious issue here is that it's very expensive, especially it's considering it's expensive. not an electronic device. I mean, you're still, when you think about it, you're still attaching a, another device being your camera and a lens that cost at least another $1,500. So mm-hmm. this really, and do you need a flash as well? It seems that you also need a flash no, to so backlight it. Or it depends can, on which, which vert you can use a different light source, but it actually comes with an LED light source. Oh, okay. Anyway, either way, we're still looking at uh, like a $3,000 scanner here. Yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, I mean, right now, I guess if you're, if you get on board early, then it's 1700. Oh, but it's going to be more, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I've been talking to the, to the guy that's that's running this show here, and he, it doesn't seem like it's totally a done deal that he's going to get this distribution partner. Mm-hmm. But if they do get the distribution partner, then it's likely that it'll be twenty four hundred. But I was, you know, I was very, very much like, okay, so what's the deal? Why does this cost so much for a black box? Yeah, I, I'm sure there are good reasons. Like he's an indie guy trying to make money, making a really unique product it's very niche not many people are yeah. going to buy it ever even if it goes well well one of the one of the really big deals about something like this is that it has to be light tight mm. um, there can't be any stray light coming in at all and so um, the way that that it's machined is is apparently it's it's very precision and like very carefully made and if you look at it you know, you can kind of see that, but unfortunately, the website the the images flash by so quickly that it's really kind of hard to <laughs> to get a grasp on mm-hmm. anything. But like the way that he described it to me is just like there's some pretty intense machining going on to make this thing um, because of the specific design, and then like each one of the slots for the different formats has like a, a magnet cover that blocks the light, so you don't have to worry about any excess light or stray light getting in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the idea of having a solution that's like parked next to my desktop and I'm tethered into to my, you know, into Lightroom or whatever, and I'm able to do a whole strip, you yeah. know, just one after the next. And you're not dependent on 90s technology to keep it working. Correct. I like that idea a mm-hmm. lot. Well, I hope it works out for him. Yeah, well, I hope it works out for me because <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, I'm getting twitchy. And, you know, then of course I'm thinking about the cost and I'm thinking about my marriage and, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm like, this, this, these things are not compatible. (laughs) So I don't, I want it, but. Yeah. And well, the funny thing with all the film investment is as you buy other film peripherals, you still always need to buy more film and pay for it all to be developed before any of this can even be used. So. 
A lot of money goes in the film. Uh, in update for anybody wondering, I am, I still haven't shot any new film lately <laughs> <laughs> on this last trip. I, I didn't even bring one. So come on. Yeah. What's going on here? I just <laughs> can't make financial sense of it. Yeah. Finances. It's such a pain when I'm busy, especially too. It's not like I couldn't afford it. I can afford to do it, but I don't know. It's Actually, not I don't sensible, even, right? I don't even know if what I'm blaming. It's not finances exactly. Like I can afford the film. It's just it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's uh, it eats up time that I barely have to shoot uh, clients. It's just projects. not working into your flow right now. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Like if you had, and maybe that's a good thing. You know, like if you had more time, then I guess you would probably invest more of it into it. But <laughs> maybe it's a good thing that you don't. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Anyway. I'm also going to talk about my trip a bit, which wasn't um, directly photo related. It was another fashion thing, but it was Toronto Fashion Week. So this is the end of our fashion month where we've been going to kind of all of them. And I really liked it a lot. I think, I think we enjoy it the most because it's Canadian (laughs) and everybody's (laughs) really nice and we make a lot more friends there. And yeah, it was really great to be able to chat with, other people that are working in the same area as us so that I don't feel crazy. Uh, Cause in, in Calgary, there's just not many people like blogging professionally. So it was cool to talk to how other people are running their businesses and talking to PR agencies about how they're approaching blogging and, and, and brands as well. And I could feel a lot of energy behind this more direct relationship between brands, blogs, social networks and just independent content creators instead of going to the larger media outlets and doing ad buys. It was much more of a relationship building exercise and basically a lot more small advertising. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, things like, well, in fashion, they're not interested in podcasts, but you know, sponsored posts and sponsored social network engagements and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, there's just like a lot of momentum behind it. And I don't know, it was just, it was exciting talking to people that are also excited about that. Cause you know, we make stuff online and enjoy it and love it. And it's interesting seeing that more and more develop into a business model and hearing from people that will be doing the advertising that they are really energized about it. So yeah, I like that. Mm. That's awesome. It's always I, I always find it difficult to to navigate my local territory in terms of networking, and I don't, I'm I'm not sure why. Like I know a lot of people in in my town. It's funny. It's there's an advantage when you're not in your hometown. I think so. I think people are eager to they're more eager to help you get integrated because you don't have an excuse for like in your own town you should have already figured it out. I was really thinking about this. In more general traveling terms, I think we can all, I well, I don't know, so I'll speak for myself. I can relate to that um, when I travel, I find it much easier to meet new people, make friends, um, find crazy new places, and just be more open to new experiences. It's much easier to find new things, make fast friends. and Absolutely true. Basically, I realize this also applies to business, that people are less threatened because you're not part of their market. So I think they're more eager to make introductions for you. People want to show you a restaurant they love. They want to show you a coffee shop. They just want to make you feel at home because they're, you know, being hosts. It's so true. 
so while we were there, also people were asking, like, are you going to move to Toronto? Or are you going to move to a bigger city? Because Calgary's a, a a medium sized city. It's a it's a largest city, but not a huge market for what we do. There's no entertainment industry here. There's no photography. I have, I have a secret really. name for it. <laughs> What's that? Calgary. <laughs> I, well, I don't think that you're the first one to think of it, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. I mean, it, it's kind of where it is, though, right? It's, it's a cow town. Yeah, exactly. It kind of reminds me of my hometown, j- just from descriptions. What's your hometown again? Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. Well, also I, a cow I town. I haven't spent enough time there, no. Well, it was originally a cow town. <laughs> I think of it a lot like a less trendy Austin, like maybe Austin a few years ago before it got super cool. Because uh, it's pretty cool, it's not huge, um, and it's in a oil, well, province instead of state. And yeah, I mean, it's, anyway, we like Calgary. It's pretty great to be here. But, uh, so people are asking, like, are you going to come to Toronto? Because that's where things really happen in Canada. But being an outsider in Toronto was really great. Like, people really welcomed us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it made me feel like, going there a bit more, but not, it doesn't mean you have to move. I like Toronto. Toronto's nice. Yeah. Have you, have you been there much? Yeah. A few times. Lots of friends there. Mm. I feel like I could go there anytime. Well, we should go really there cool. at the same time. We should. Hey, we're going to be in the same city at the same time sometime soon. Yeah. Like next week. I really, are we going to podcast? Y- yeah. We have to do the first in-person podcast. Wow. I wonder who else we can get to join us. I don't know. Well, there's going to be so many people there. We're going to have to pick and choose. We're going to well, let's, we're going to have to be secretive about inviting somebody so that everybody else doesn't get their feelings hurt because we can't have 15 yes. people on the podcast. Well, let's, let's not assume that everybody's going to be like pining to be on the podcast. But. <laughs> well, of course they are. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you, you say? don't want me on? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. But yeah, that'll be cool. I mean, a funny thing for anybody who doesn't realize, I can't, I think we've only met, did we only meet once in person? Um, you know, I think it's only that one time actually. Yeah. Isn't uh, that funny? Yeah. So this will be a second time. <laughs> it's okay. I feel like I know you pretty well at this point. Yeah, exactly. After uh, 30 whatever hours of uh, podcasting. Or at least your voice. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you could probably talk me to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever like re-listen to the shows when you're going to bed? Do you, ever, do you find you remember what you said on the show afterwards? Oh my God, no. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Whenever I listen, I, I usually am just like, what am I talking what happened? about? happened? It's really yeah, hard it's, to uh, to put show notes together because of that. Because yeah. it just it goes away. It slips. In I'm the one that goes through and edits the the episode after, which takes mm. some time. Like I re-listen to the whole thing carefully, yeah. and even after that listen, I'm like, what happened again? Yeah, like I'm still still lost. Yeah, nothing sticks. Well, we have fun though, so that's really all that matters. Yeah, well, that's why we're here, and people seem to care. We've got some dedicated fans. It's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, it's awesome when you guys uh, notice that we need to put an episode out. So if you are into us, please uh, post it somewhere. Let's say Twitter. Yeah, Twitter seems to be the place where we get the most action. It's like the open conversation place. Which I totally, I'm I'm all about it. I, I generally feel like Facebook needs to be more about my personal family and friends. And- yeah. That, that's how I look at Facebook too. Facebook is yeah for family really. It's, mm-hmm. I still like it. I, a lot of people kind of shit on it lately that it's useless, but I do It just agree. creeps too much for me. Like I don't like it when work creeps into my personal too much. Right. I start getting friended by people I don't know and I'm much more comfortable with that idea on, on Twitter. 
Yeah, that's part of the assumption with Twitter is that it's always open. Yeah. So everybody will always read everything, so you're never saying anything that has to be worried about, really. Yeah, exactly. But whatever. <laughs> it's the age we're living in, right? I was asked if I if I did WhatsApp today, and I was like, no, I don't. Yeah, no, that one, Should I? That one doesn't make it. No, that's not like a social network you need to get on. That's a thing that if your friends are using it, it's helpful. But you don't need to just be have a presence there. It's just, it's texting. Europeans use it. Are you still rocking your Snapchat? Oh yeah, I'm totally still in Snapchat. I think I probably posted at least one today. Here, I'm going to post, I'm post another Snapchat. <laughs> podcasting. Hello, I'm podcasting again right now and nobody that listens to the show will ever see it. Because <laughs> it'll take longer to edit than, uh, than this then they'll be online. able to edit, actually, yeah. That's hysterical, but they'll they'll start following me, following you, just so that they can you know have that moment. Did you sign up yet? <laughs> no. no. Well, anyway, if you do, follow me, Tyler Stolman, with no spaces. <laughs> yeah, no, Snapchat's been fun. I uh, it's like a it's a storytelling tool that other things aren't. Instagram, I think too hard about now, so I don't I don't post really often because I want them to be good, and I worry about. Um, I worry about each photo, you know, I, I'm careful about them and I really want them to be great. And Snapchat is way more about like, here is life. Here's what's going on. Yeah. It's kind of funny how Instagram changed like that. Yeah. Yeah. I still, it, I still it, haven't divorced myself from that initial concept. Oh, and you're not alone. A lot of people are like that. Um, but it's become just much richer. You know, people use it as their whole photography portfolio now mm-hmm. uh, or their whole, We've talked about this in previous episodes a lot, but people that are only photographers on like they're Instagrammers, they're not photographers Mm -hmm. uh, as they would define it. I mean, I think, well, obviously they are photographers, but they don't think of themselves that way. They think of themselves first as like they're on a social network and the Instagram thing is the the format and uh, the Mm -hmm. medium. And it's, it's strange and interesting and yeah, very much a whole new world. You know, I, another really interesting thing is that, um, while doing call to artists over at Stocksy, a lot of cases, like nine hundred, well, not probably not that many, but like it feels like most cases where the Instagram is way stronger than the portfolio mm-hmm. than their like their website, and I'm generally then you know I'm replying back to people and saying we love your Instagram feed, Can we see <laughs> right. more like that, give us more of that, yeah, yeah, and you know it's kind of fascinating that that is kind of taken hold is is the point of pride, if you will. You know, like I, this is where I keep all my best marbles, you know. I saw a really interesting Instagram technique at the Canada Goose event. Mm-hmm. One of them, uh Lisa, who you know is pretty big, she has almost hundred thousand followers. She has a private feed that is a perfect replica of her real feed. And so her way of proofing all the photos before they go on is to post it to this private feed that mirrors the live one so she can see if it fits in with her other images and every photo goes through that before it goes live wow yeah i found that really interesting oh that is and somebody mentioned there's an app that does something like that i didn't catch the name so i can't follow up on it but uh but yeah people that take it seriously you know it it matters and i know that you see it differently once it's live like when it is in the final context it looks completely different than when it's in your photo library I definitely know that feeling of it going live and you're like, well, wait a minute, that's terrible. Or that needs to be fixed. Or why did I do that? <laughs> I try not to think about it to keep moving on. Well, see, not just Instagram, but you must have had that feeling on let's say Stocksy at least. 
No. Or you, you mm. upload it and after uploading, that's when you feel like it's off. Well, you know, at Stocksia, yeah, actually, I definitely upload things that are not as, I mean, I, I upload my best, but I also don't upload. I will upload things that are not my best as well. You know, if I feel like it's useful, then it makes sense for me to upload it there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that whole site's about. It's not just about having the most amazing photos in your portfolio. It's also about having beautiful photos that are also useful. And so, you know, I try to upload whatever, but I have a kind of funny process. And I think it's mostly just because of time and the lack of that. But um, I'll submit things or at least put them up in my image manager over there, um, which I, how, how would we explain that to everyone else? Uh, it's the back end. Uh, it's your Lightroom. <laughs> yeah. On the site. Yeah. It's where you upload your photos and then you attach metadata and whatnot. Um, I usually let them sit there for a couple of days. You know, I might submit a few of them to be reviewed, but um, I I don't know. I like to like look at them a couple times, and you know, just decide like you know, is it is it worthy? But I think it's it's hard. It's weird for me because uh, you know, as the uh, the content manager, you know, I know that a lot of people are looking at what I'm doing as well, and um, you know, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny. Yeah, for sure. So I, yeah, when you, you work, know, you just even. Being staff there, I have that same feeling. So absolutely, I mean, if your if your name is anywhere near <laughs> headquarters, you know, mm-hmm. like there's going to be an extra bit of scrutiny, and and that's that's welcome and fair. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, I, if I you know I get questions all the time about well, we're kind of going to kind of go off on a different tangent. Should I even do that? <laughs> Should we even be talking about Stocksy in this context? <laughs> I don't know. Is it interesting? <laughs> Well, I think that the the point I wanted to make is that like I like criticism. I think that a lot of people are just used to getting it from me and you know not really understanding that it's something that I appreciate. You know, and it's that I want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there there are only a few people that are willing to to uh to give me an honest critique and not not be a, a jerk about it, just to right. be a jerk. Um but actually just tell me honestly like when, you know, things are working or not. So it's kind of frustrating. It's in that situation where like you feel like nobody will really talk to you about it. Yeah, I I definitely know what you mean by that and having those having those really quality conversations that help you move forward and help you understand things better can be hard to come by. Yeah, very much so. And like I have one person that I can rely on for that, but she's not always available <laughs> for to give me that feedback, but yeah. Um so do you have any uh, do you have any picks this week? Hmm. <laughs> do you prepare be. for this? I never prepare for this. I don't know why. No, of course we don't. I don't. We it's do it's this usually all the time. Well, I think I already talked about what I'm excited about. I'm I'm, I'm excited about this film toaster. Mm-hmm. You know, I spend so much time dealing with getting film scanned, and it's worth it. You know, like I don't want to make it sound like a, like it's not worth it. I'm ultimately more satisfied with what I shoot on film. Um, but I would like it to be a little more streamlined and reliable. And I think that this looks like an opportunity. It's just the price is so brutal. And, you know, when I look at it from a uh, supply perspective, you know, I know that like it's, it's, it's not cheap to get something started, especially when it's uh, in low production, you know, like making each one of these probably cost him a fortune. Yeah, I totally don't blame him for it necessarily. I can right. see for such a small business. Um, needing to keep that price up. Right. And it's never going to be the kind of thing that's like, you know, in high production. Yeah. Sure. Just based on reality. <laughs> Do, uh, have you been listening to any good music lately? 
Um, I want to say yes. What have I been listening to? What have you been listening to? Uh, uh, podcasts. <laughs> I'm still going through the back catalog of the Flophouse, really. Although, well, actually, here, I'll go first because I have some ideas. Um, Perfect. If I didn't already say, uh, well, yeah, okay, so I probably just repeat things. But um, Reconcilable Differences is a podcast between two of my favorite online personalities, Merlin Mann and John Saracusa. And if you've never heard of them, then it may not be interesting, but it's uh, just two smart guys talking about things that I find interesting. And um, Merlin is the man. Exactly. And uh, I've been listening to that in the Flophouse. And my pick is going to be a movie. Um, On the flight, I watched The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, yeah. Which is heavily photography related and very personally related to me. Um, have you seen it? Okay. Yeah, I have. So the so story how is it related to you for anybody that hasn't seen it is that uh, life magazine is going to be closing and it's been bought out by some new evil overlords that want to <laughs> turn it into a website and shut down the magazine. And, um, Walter is a, a lovable, shy guy that fantasizes a lot about having a more exciting life and eventually ends up uh, living it. So I worked at Life Magazine when they launched the website. So, um, the, the, the chronology that they present in the movie is completely wrong. The magazine shut down for quite a long time just because it wasn't making it. Uh, it was like a first it went down from monthly to quarterly and then um, closed altogether and then came back for a couple of years and closed again. And eventually there's a joint venture between Getty images, which is where I worked and mm-hmm. time Inc. And uh, so I was the web designer on the relaunch and I spent a lot of time in that office, in the life office when the brand was trying to kick back into gear and trying to bring it, Back to life. So unlike the film, in the film, the it's terrible that it's becoming a website. It's killing the magazine. In what actually happened was the magazine couldn't make it on its own because magazines are having a hard time. And we tried to bring it back as an online magazine, which uh, actually went very well. And um, unfortunately, the joint venture didn't last. So Getty and Time have since parted ways. And a similar design is now there, but without an editorial team behind it. So it's much mm. simpler galleries that are, are presented. But um, anyway, I mean, so I spent a lot of time in that exact office that is shown in the movie. And it just, I don't know, it was cool, like seeing people that kind of had the jobs that I was working at. And yeah, it, that's, that's surreal. Yeah, it was really neat. Kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. But also like, whoa. Yeah, like I was there. <laughs> Interesting how fantasy and reality kind of met yeah. Point. And it's, it, back to the movie though, it is a very beautiful movie, uh, visually, especially. It has some yeah, fun too. Yeah, definitely. It, some of the rom com elements I feel are a little too rom com y to me. Like, yeah. I don't know. You, you got to kind of shut your brain off to some scenes, but overall, <laughs> it's, it's really fun. And yeah, like I said, beautiful. And if you're a photography fan, there's, there's moments of, celebrating photography that are, that are pretty nice. Uh, and the main character, the main photographer character still shoots film. So, <laughs> Oh, that's right. Oh my God. I just, just remember that. Yeah. It's the, it revolves around a missing piece of film. So, right. Uh, 
Okay. Awesome. So, uh, do you got anything else? Anything to add? Yeah, I have some. I have some some music I've been listening to, so I'll, I'll talk about it. Like nothing has really swept me away, but I've got a couple things that that are that are pretty cool. Um, as some friends know, like I'm into all different flavors of metal. Um, as long as it's not dumb, which is really kind of hard because so much metal is dumb. But uh, I'm listening to a band called Windhand. Okay. And uh, that's pretty fun. It's kind of like a doom metal project uh, with female vocals. So it's, it's kind of got a different flavor and, and uh, it's, it's been warming on me. As much as I love metal, like I, it, it's hard to get my attention. Mm. But when, when a band does get my attention, they usually keep it. Well, send me a link. Um, yeah, and, and also... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to listen to it, to be honest, but I'll include yeah, it. I know you're not. <laughs> but I'll put it in the not, show notes. Not your thing. <clears throat> but on the complete opposite spectrum, um, there's a new Destroyer record that's okay. really good. And that's uh, Poison Season. And uh, that's the name of the record. And it's really good. Dan Behar has always, for quite a while, has just been such a, an amazing songwriter and lyricist he just has this like pastoral kind of way of of uh, writing pop songs that i don't know I, I, they're really kind of hard to describe and, and to be honest with you maybe it's because i also listen to metal but most of the time when i share it with my friends they're usually like what in the hell are you listening to mm-hmm. it's um, a pretty God, it's just, distinct voice especially yeah but it's just it's like it's, it's um, so wonderful it's um maybe similar opinions that happen around Smashing Pumpkins, for example, like you either can take it or not. Yeah. Except for that this guy can actually sing. Yes. Well, he doesn't sound the same. It's just interesting. I think it's this phrasing is, um, is definitely unusual and a little bit flamboyant probably. Mm -hmm. And in a way that, that I think can be jarring at first. And you also, it's, it's, it's a little bit hard to tell, and I guess it depends on which record you start with with him, um, but it, it can be hard to tell whether or not he's sincere. Right. You know, that's, you know that, that reminds me of someone else's rant that I'm going to reflect because I thought it was really insightful on Roderick on the line a, a, quite a while ago. But mm-hmm. that all so many modern singers have an extremely affected um, tone or phrasing or uh, way of singing. That like yes. adds, they add all this color to it that isn't really necessary or is, is really about like the style of the time. It's sort of like adding a flanger to your guitar or like a wah pedal. I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know, it makes me, it makes me want to peel skin off. Well, yeah. And it's like, this is, this is what's going to date your song. It's the, this is what will make it not be timeless is you're not just singing. You're not just using your voice. You're trying to um, sing an effect over top of it. I feel like that's just about, you just described almost all modern folk singers yeah. or in, indie, indie pop folk yeah, kind of so somewhere many. in between there. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Um, I have a really hard time with that, but I worked in a club where that was like the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I still and so like songs that night. are by those musicians. Like there are songs I like, but once I started thinking in those terms, it was frustrating. So maybe I just ruined it for someone else too. Let's <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> not name names. <laughs> I was also, I've been listening to Japan droids, which I've oh, fun. listened to for a long time, but I haven't I, listened to them in quite a while. Yeah. Do they have it's something still new or is you just no, going just, back? Just putting it on, right. on repeat. Yeah, that's that's fun. So you you like you like some aggressive music? Oh yeah, you know? absolutely. 
like, um, I still love Deftones, which are totally have nothing to do with any other bands I like, yeah. but they are very loud and I still think they're great. Yeah, they are great. But I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot more of the cure in Deftones than right. there is like Slayer. Yeah. Right? Well, that's why I think that's why I like them. There is another layer that is unlike most metal. It's it's not like all testosterone kind of angst, you know. It, I mean, there's plenty of angst to go around, but mm-hmm. there feels like a, a a level of vulnerability that I think right. is 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 difficult for. It's difficult to to show within metal, you know. And so I think that that's that's part of what separates it. I think with metal, like it's it's hard to show your your vulnerability. Like I think that you, well, I mean, it's, it's all to, it's all over the place. Hard but, to pull it off too. Like sometimes when I kind of hear. A soft moment it doesn't feel sincere it feels like a setup for the next scream instead of yeah uh it, you well, know it's, yeah yeah and that's just it depending it's like when i listen to like more like the the kind of popular metal that the kids listen to yeah like my, my younger brother like what he, the stuff he listens to you know it's like with all these weird names right they're like phrase names mm-hmm. so like uh help me out like uh like as i lay dying or something like oh, that yeah, you there know? you go that's a name. Uh, it, I can't name it. <laughs> yeah, like bands like that, and and you know, like and and I, I and he swears to me that, that these 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 bands are you know they're doing everything like or they're doing things that are just as amazing as everything that I liked when I was his age, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I listen to it and I'm like, oh, dude, that sounds like the Refused turned into like a bunch of wimps you know basically like crybabies you know it's like take the refused and and make them cry and that's what your music sounds like and i don't like it (laughs) oh boy well we've made some enemies with some teenage uh angsty kids Ah, there's there's show me that's just the thing show me show like if if you if you think i if you think i might know that or might like something show me you heard cameron so uh write him on twitter yeah do that and if i don't like it i'm gonna tell you (laughs) And I'm Stallman on Twitter. You're Cam Rocker, right? Yeah, Cam Rocker. And thanks for listening. Ciao.